Welcome. How's everybody doing? Come on in, have a seat. We'll get started. Well, this is it, huh? It's a pretty big deal. Um, but before I get going, uh, not only do we have some folks online watching us from Columbus, we've got a handful of people from Columbus right here. We've got some in the middle. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how, how blessed I am that you guys made the drive. and uh, It's not too bad. Right? It's not too bad. It's worse when the wind's blowing. I found that out. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to have a much shorter drive from now on, so that, that's good. Um, and uh, the, the time has come to, to move on. This is, this is a great honor for me to preach on this stage to this crowd. I grew up in this town for the most part. I was saved and, and grew in Christ in this church for the complete part. <laughs> it's been a privilege to serve under some of the finest men and friends I've, I've known. I'm going to talk about this too long because I don't want to cry. <laughs> but... Jeff, thank you. Thank you for training me, for trusting the Lord enough to trust me <laughs> to get in front of people and, and challenge your faith. And, and it's my hope, it's, it's my goal that, that I will continue to bear fruit to your account. That's, that's what we're here for. And so, again, thank you. And thank you guys for, for everything. You mean, you mean the world to me. I was asked uh, just to, to share about, you know, being faithful and faithfulness, and well, since Proverbs says it's weird to talk about yourself, <laughs> Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, for instance, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Okay, I agree, it's weird. It feels weird. We're not going to do it today. But a faithful man who can find. I don't want to be most men. I'm not here to talk about myself. I would like to share with you what the Lord has shown me about faith and about faithfulness. I make mistakes, I mess up, I fall short, but, but faithfulness is always the goal. The hardest thing about faith is that what lies ahead is either unknown or completely obscured. And this morning, we're going to look into a passage that will hopefully be a help to you in, in what I'm calling moving forward in faith, because that's the goal, to move forward in faith. We're talking about faith, so you know, and this is a good church, where, where do you go when you talk about faith? You go to Hebrews 11. And so, this is a big risk going to Hebrews 11, not because it's a risky pass, passage, but because you guys are so familiar with it. If I asked you what the definition of faith is, you would be able to tell me. We're going to see it in a minute. So what I would like to challenge you with is, is that you could really, truly listen. This is not a deep message, but the Lord doesn't necessarily work most of the time in the deep messages because he wants you to get what's on the surface. He wants you to get the practical, and he wants you to apply it to your life. 
And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to study verses 13 through 16, but I'd like to read verses 8 and 9 first because this is kind of what got my attention. So go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11. Look at verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. So before we go any further, I'm not pretending that, that my journey required this, this massive leap of faith equal to Abraham's. I'm going to Columbus. It's, it's, not, it's not the unknown. It's different than living on the hillside behind the church, but, but it's Columbus, all right? I'm not pretending that, that I'm on par with him. Look, Judah Horvath's got more faith than, than what I got, and he's two, right? They're, they're on the other side of the world. But, but this got my attention because I can relate. I can relate to some of the things that, that Abraham had to do, the things he had to consider, and the unknown ahead of him. Lord, I want, I want a few more details. Could you fill in some of these blanks? Nope. I just need you to go. Okay, but Columbus is more expensive. That's okay. I need you to go. I don't know where to take my kids to school. It's okay. I need you to go. Well, they got schools down there. Some of them are in session, some of them are not. It's, not. it's not New Philly. It's not what we're used to. I want you to go. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise in a, as in a strange country. Hebrews 11.13, let's get into the passage now. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had come out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Let's pray. Father, I, as always, it's a humbling thing to, to stand in front of anyone and say, Thus saith the Lord. I pray that you would help me to be clear, that you would get me out of the way of what you have to say, that, that I would be the vehicle, I'd be the voice for this crowd today that that we would go away understanding faith and how to apply it in our lives and, and how to be faithful men and women. So that when we say a faithful man who can find, we can look here in this crowd and we can find them. That we could be that example for you and please you in the long run. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you guide us and you never leave us without understanding of what we need to do. Maybe just not all the details, but we know what the next step is, and, and I pray you help us take it. We love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so if, as the title says, we're going to be moving forward in faith, the first thing that we've got to be doing is, is number one, believing what you cannot see yet. Believing what you cannot see yet is a requirement to move forward in faith. And the first thing we're going to see is faith defined. Verse 13 of the passage we just read, it says, These all died in faith, 
not having received the promises. They never saw them physically. They never saw them come to fruition in their lives. It says, but having seen them afar off. This matches the biblical definition of faith. It's found in the first part of this chapter, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It said these, guys, these all died in faith, having not seen the promises, but seeing them afar off. They knew they were real because God had promised it. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Well, what do you mean? He gives us an example in verse 3. Through faith we understand, not, not believe, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. So that things which, which, the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand that God created everything in this universe. My, my friend Rex and I were in London on a trip, a missions trip, and we were sharing the gospel on the streets of London, and, and this crazy atheist guy was in Rex's face and giving him a hard time and talking about faith versus this Big Bang theory. And, and we ended up asking the guy, hey, you know, that Big Bang thing, were you there when that happened? Well, of course not. What, are you stupid? You know, like, it was, it was awesome. He was a really nice guy. <laughs> and, and Rex is looking at me like, I don't want to say this guy. He's just in my face. I want to talk to somebody that's nice. This guy's not nice. <laughs> and, and so we asked him, were, were you there? No. No, of course I wasn't there. Oh, so you have faith that a man who wrote a science book was right about how all of this began. I happen to have a faith in a man who wrote a book inspired by a God who actually created all that we see and all that exists. We both have faith. You have faith in a scientist, and I have faith in God. I'm sticking with mine. I'm, I'm sticking with what God says on the matter. No, I wasn't there, and neither were you. And neither were they or them or those all the way back to whoever first denied that God created everything in existence. It's faith. Faith defined as believing without seeing. So the second thing we want to see is, is faith dissected. That's a weird word to use, but you guys remember high school biology class where they get out the stinky frog, he's dead, you cut him open, you look at all his parts. Why did we do that? It wasn't just to gross out the girls and, and to, for the boys to look tough who were also grossed out that just didn't want to admit it, right? And once you opened up the frog, you see all the gross parts, you shove the little eyedropper in his mouth and make his lungs go do this thing, right? You didn't do that? <laughs> Sue, you didn't do that? Why did we, why did we do that? Because it was cool? No, because we wanted to see what parts the frog was made of so that we could learn how the frog worked so that some of those kids would go on and, and do greater things with biology and help the rest of us, Right? It was for a purpose, so that we could understand how a frog functions. Now, I don't remember most of it. I remember the eyedropper thing. Apparently, nobody else does. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to open up faith. It's not going to be as gross. We're going to look at the parts inside. We're going to see how it works. Because you need the parts to function in your life. And it just so happens that we see three of the parts right here in this passage. So let's open up faith. Let's see what parts are in there. And hopefully, 
you can put it to work in your life. Uh, verse 13 has the, the parts. Again, we, we already read this, but these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were, here's the parts, persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those are the three parts. So I'm calling the first one actual faith. It's biblical faith. And what that is, is being persuaded by God's promises. Actual faith is being persuaded by God's promises that he made to us. Romans 4.21, Paul says, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Paul wasn't just confident. He was fully persuaded. You look at the life of Paul. Why did Paul do the things that he did? Why could Paul call himself the prisoner of Christ while in prison in Rome? Because he was fully persuaded. He was convinced. Why did he put himself in harm's way over and over and over? Some of us would be brave enough to do it once. But we learn from the pain, don't we? My son, when he was a two-year-old, he climbed up to the first step and he jumped off, and that was awesome. And he climbed to the second step and he, and he jumped even further, and that was more awesome. And he jumped from the third step and he hit his chin on his knee. You know what he did the next time? He climbed to the fourth step, he looked, he stepped down to the third step, he looked, he stepped down to the second, and he jumped, and it was awesome. <laughs> Pain teaches us great lessons, doesn't it? But Paul was fully persuaded, so pain wasn't going to stop him. He was fully persuaded. He was convinced that God was right and God was able to perform the promises that he laid out for Paul. And so he went for it. God has promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Ability to overcome sin. He's promised to return for us. He's promised us new bodies when he does return. He's promised us a place to live with him in glory for all of eternity, to name a few promises. He is able to perform every single one of those. He will. And we can stand on those promises. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul's talking to Timothy, says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What, what did Paul commit to him? The promises God laid out for Paul, Paul said, here's my life. I commit it to you, and I know that you're able to also keep that. I put it in your capable hands. Do you believe that? Do you believe that for your life? Does it persuade you? Because if it persuades you, you're not only going to have actual faith, you're going to have the second one, you're going to have active faith. Actual, legitimate, biblical faith leads to action. We're not going to have time to go through all the rest of Hebrews 11, but look at each person that it names. There's an action tied to their faith. They're in the hall of fame of faith because they did something that was actively connected to what God promised. Whether they saw it come to fruition in their lives or not, they believed God and they moved because of it. So active faith is embracing those promises with action. James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. 
So we could call this living faith if it has action. Being alone. Verse 18, yea, and a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. It's the action, right? Faith and works, they're not the same thing. But faith without works, he says, is dead. It's good for nothing. It proves nothing. You guys know the old saying, a proverb a day keeps the stupid away? Okay, it's a new saying. We're going to go with it from today. I've heard that before. I didn't make that up. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Why, why, Why does it refer to wisdom as a woman? If you go to the Proverbs, there's two women. One of them is wisdom, and the other one is strange. And they're both in the streets calling to the young man, to the simple man, calling him at the corners. What does the corner represent? It represents transition. It represents a choice. You have a choice. Choose wisdom. Choose the strange woman. Which one are you going to embrace? The intersections of life allow you to choose which one you're going to embrace. What does it mean to embrace? What well, means to actually make decisions. You embrace wisdom by following wisdom and making decisions that match it in your life. You actively apply what the Word of God says. Do the things that wisdom calls you to do, and you'll get the results that wisdom says you'll get. Sounds like a good idea. If you have faith in God's promises, you will act in accordance to God's words. It's just the way it works. It's just easy math. So the third one, the third component that we see as we're dissecting faith is audible faith. We've got actual, we've got active, and we've got audible. It's faith you can hear. And it's confessing that you don't belong here. I'm not saying you shouldn't be in church today. I'm saying this world is temporary. This life is temporary. It's glory and its enjoyments. All of it is temporary. Not all of it is sin, but it is temporary. Acts 24, 14 says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, he's talking about the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees are always calling out heresy, right? After the way that they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Paul says, my accusers have claimed that I don't belong, and I agree. I'm doing exactly what they said I was doing. I do not belong. I don't belong here. Many of us would confess the same thing, but then we would go and look at your social media, and for some reason... You're all bent out of shape about everything going on here. Why? I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying I like it. I'm just asking why does this world get us so bent out of shape when we don't even belong here? I get we're stuck here, okay? I get it. Does what happens or has happened over the past year in our country 
turn you upside down and inside out. Why? God's promises are still the same. Oh, and actually, as those things come to fruition, they actually line up with what God said was going to happen. He didn't say, look, come love me and follow me, and eventually I'll get this earth thing all straightened out, and and your life will be real easy. It'll be great. Just follow me. It'll be fine. He says it's going to get worse. Oh, then I'm going to return and take the throne. So what it might actually mean is it's getting close, which we know it does actually mean that. Because we walk by faith. Hebrews 11.22, further down in the same passage we're in, it says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. What did he say about his bones? Genesis chapter 50, it's not in your notes. It says, Joseph took an oath to the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. He said, I don't belong here, and you don't belong here, and I'm not going to make it out, but when you guys make it out, don't leave me here. I don't belong here. Get my bones out of Egypt. There's a cool picture there, and and we don't have time for it, so go study your Bibles. (laughs) Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why are the treasures of Egypt flipping you upside down? For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, a picture of the world. He said, no more. I'm putting that behind me. Moses did it before he led everybody else out. That's why God asked him to go get everybody else out. He was already separated from the world. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had all the elements of faith. They were active in his life. He embraced the truth and he moved. Verse 14 of the passage we're looking at this morning says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. So what country are you seeking? Is it the good old red, white, and blue? Look, I love my country. I do. This is the greatest country in the world. And and I do not and will not make light of, of the sacrifices that men and women have given for us to have the freedoms to worship the way we do. I appreciate all of that. But this is only my country for a little while. We're supposed to be looking for things we can't see. And when you see something that upsets you, it should remind you. Okay, this is upsetting. I don't like this. But we're looking for something else. And we're going to be okay. If we're going to be able to begin believing what we cannot see yet, we're going to be able to, number two, be living where we cannot be yet. You see that little rhyme there almost. We're going to believing what we cannot see. We'll be able to live where we cannot be. What am I talking about? 
Verse 13 said, they all died in faith, having never seen the promise. They were living to get to the promise. And they had letter A, their mind focused forward. Verse 15 again says, truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Think about that for, for just, did you catch that phrase in there? Mindful of that country from whence they came. We just saw that we're supposed to be strangers and pilgrims. We're not supposed to go back. Israel was not supposed to go back to Egypt. How many times did they say, if you had just left us in Egypt? Life was so much better in bondage. What? What are you talking about? We do the same things. We're never to go back. We're never to make ourselves at home in this world. He didn't call us to be comfortable. We can be comforted, but not comfortable. It's totally different. So let me ask you, have you returned? Are you like Lot? And, and you pitched your tent toward Sodom? And eventually you're going to find yourself in the gate of the city that God said stay away from? Are you so focused on the past that you found yourself there? If you haven't yet, you will. We need to move forward. Not, not stare backward and, and wish for the good old days or wish for what was or, man, life was greater in high school. I don't think anybody actually ever experienced that. <laughs> you think it was better in high school because you were younger then and you had more energy and all of those things. It wasn't actually better. That was terrible. <laughs> what are you doing focused back there? Move forward. He uses this word Mindful. There's a similar thought process in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. To be careful is to be what? Full of care. To be mindful is to have your mind full of that old country, of the old man, what you were set free from. It's to be controlled because your mind is crammed full of, of what you want, what used to be, the point of returning to your past. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Peter says this, Second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So he's stirring up their pure minds, and that happens when we remember the Word of God. What the prophets said, oh, and what the apostles said. The Old Testament and the New Testament. This entire book. You stir up your pure mind with this, with God's Word. When you become mindful of the past and find yourself staring at things you shouldn't, you know what you need to do? You need to stir up your pure mind. You need to go back to what God said about what you're thinking. And you need to agree with him. How many of you know someone who loves to mow grass? Yeah? You, you guys think I just totally shifted. We're, we're, still, we're still here. 
They, they love mowing. The lines have to be perfect. How do, I, how do they achieve that? Do, do they get on that John Deere and, and just watch what they've already mowed? Is that how you mow nice straight lines? Enjoying what you've already done? No. Because when you get to the end of the row or hit the tree or whatever, when you're not watching, all your lines are crooked. They're a mess. No, you focus ahead on where you're heading. And when you get to the other side and turn around, that's a nice straight line right there. That's good. I did, I did good there. Let's see if we can do another one. It's a silly example, but it's similar to what Christ said, right? He said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He didn't ask you to plow crooked lines. He didn't ask you to live in the past of what you've already done. We've got work to do, and you've bought a field, so let's go plow it. Well, 20 years we plowed fields. It was a good time. We're still plowing. There's still work to be done. What are you focused on the past for? Let's move forward. You know what's funny? I helped my brother, my younger brother, when he was learning to drive. And when he would check, like, over the lane instead of just the mirrors, he'd do this. His hand would go like this <laughs> as he would check the... You know what happens when you're not focused ahead? You go the direction you're looking. If you plow a field looking backwards, somehow you're going to end up back there. You go where you're focused. It's just the way it works. You'll end up where you're focused. And if we're focused forward, where God tells us to be focused, we're going to end up where he wants us to be. We have to keep moving forward with the Lord. And letter B, we have to have our affection engaged upward. Have our minds focused forward and our affection engaged upward. Verse 16, it says, But now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. There's a phrase in there. I wonder what God thinks about calling himself my God. He's not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city which they're desiring. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Promise after promise after promise. Do you believe that? So what did he prepare? A house? A city? All of, all of the above? A country? Ephesians 2, verse 6 says, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This whole issue of being where we cannot be yet or living where we cannot be yet is getting your standing and your state to match. Now look, your standing in Christ 
in heavenly places. That is your country. That's what we're seeking. That's what we're after. That's where we're going to be someday. That is the promise that we're standing on. That is the substance of our faith. We're standing on that hope. I hope the Browns win to get today. Not the same thing. Not even close. I can't stand on that. Are you kidding me? That's just a strong desire. Biblical hope is what you stand on because it's firm and it's guaranteed and you place your faith in it and you embrace it and you move forward. My heart is tied to the promises of God because He will not let me down. We just sang about that. It's a guarantee. Now the road in between here and there, who knows? But He said we'll get there. He said, we'll get new bodies when we get there. So whatever gets beat up along the way, who cares? (laughs) Let's go forward in faith. Your state, that's that's just what changes from day, day to day. And you can have a difficult day and live in the glory of the fact that you are still seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's guaranteed. It doesn't have to derail you. That's the substance of things hoped for. So I guess the question is, what what does that substance look like in your life? Do you have substance in your life? When someone looks at your life and talks to you, do they know, can they see, can they get a hold of some substance that you believe what you say you believe? Or are you just saying it? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, if ye, be, or if, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Are you risen with Christ? What are you seeking? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. That's a decision. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Do you know why we, we get things, or we get so bent out of shape by the things that happen here, myself included? Because my affections are on the wrong things. How dare you take my rights? God says, you remember what Laodicean means, right, Matt? The rights of the people. Oh, you remember Laodicean is not a good thing? Oh, yeah, I know. Set your affections on things above. My affections are on the wrong things. When the wrong things go sideways, what do I do? Well, I'm depressed. I'm worried. All of the wrong reactions. You find meaning and purpose from the wrong things, and you'll have the wrong reactions. You'll have the the wrong outcomes. And you won't be focused on where God wants you to go. So I'm going to wrap up. My time is just about finished. Remember, we started with Proverbs 20, verse 6, a faithful man who can find. I think it's important to, to compare that to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Who can find one? Well, God better find one if he's given you anything to steward over. If he's blessed you with anything, 
if he's made promises in your life, should he not find you faithful? doesn't mean perfect in the sense that you never make a mistake. It means faithful, moving forward, focused on the right things. When you find yourself focused on the wrong things, you correct it and you move the direction he's moving. That's faithfulness. Paul says, I don't know where you got the notion that, that you have a choice in this matter. Not, not in the sense of Calvinistic approach. You got a choice, I get it. God said that it is, it is required that a steward be found faithful. Not, you know, if you feel like it, I got some stuff for you to do. No, it, it's required that we're found faithful. God has trusted us with his riches, with his word, with his spirit, with the body of Christ. What are we doing with those things? My heart's desire is not that you know, you'd be distracted by my family leaving or pay too much attention to me, but rather that you're challenged to leave what's safe and comfortable in your life so that you can say, I'm trusting God here. It's easy for me to say that because of right now we're in a big transition. We can point to all the details of what's difficult. Don't, don't be like me. Be walking in faith. Don't, don't worry about comparing it. How, how does it compare to what Matt's doing? Step outside of what's comfortable and follow God. Step forward when you want to stand still. He wants you to move with him. Leave what is safe. Leave what is comfortable. Leave what is familiar and follow the Lord. God has me here to please him and hopefully to challenge your faith so that you're in a position to do so too. I'll leave you with one final passage and, and a parting thought. Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. We almost covered most, almost all of Hebrews 11. We just kind of jumped around. Verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Check this out, that he pleased God. Don't, don't you want to please God? He's been so good to us. He goes on in verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Has your faith caused you to diligently seek him? Does your faith please the Lord? It's important questions. Maybe, just maybe, 2021 is the real test to see if the church will do what's necessary to move forward in faith. Maybe this is the test. And maybe, just maybe, God will translate us out of here. For we will have the testimony that we please God with our faith. I love you, First Baptist.